do something a little different today. I know that the drill, like Mother's Day, everybody, the kids, the grandkids, the cousins, everybody comes together and they all go to church together. On Father's Day, we go golfing. So the fact that, fellas, you made it here today, we want to honor you. Uh, we've got some delicious bacon uh, grilled up for you out there in the cafe. Also, uh, we have Dad's root beer as well. The ushers don't even know this, but I just thought about this. We're, it's like a baseball series. We need some, like, concession ushers coming down the aisles handing out root beers. Can we make that happen, Mark? Okay, he's going to make that happen, baby. Yeah, so you just shout it out. We want you to relax this morning. It's kind of guy weekend. We're going to have some fun when they, when they come down the aisle. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Fizz, put your hand up, give a shout, and uh, they'll hand it out to you. But I got to tell you, man, my day is already made. I don't care if the sermon goes horrible because uh, I woke up this morning and my six, soon-to-be seven-year-old daughter painted me these beautiful uh, things for Father's Day. And it, I just got to, she also wrote me this card and it's the sweetest thing, right? Um, I've got two boys, and thank you, Jesus, for your strength and courage in my life, raising them. And then I've got a daughter who leads me, and she's amazing. So the card says uh, Father's Day with a heart around it, and then a whole lot of hearts and stars. And then on the inside, it says this, Dear Dad, you are the best dad ever. You are, no, I love this part. You are so, so cool. I may never get that again, so I'm going to enjoy that. You are so, so, so cool, Dad. I love you, Dad. Happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you, Dad. <laughs> Isn't that the best? So my day has been made already, and I was thinking about this. It kind of went with what I was sharing this morning. Um, you know, 20 years ago, I was a different person. And sometimes when you look back on your life, you see the transformation that occurs. I came to Christ when I was 19. And shortly after that, uh, God began to work in my life and really transform me. And I was thinking about the pride I had in my life growing up as a young man. And to see now I get a card like that, and that totally makes my day more than anything else in the world. <laughs> there we go. It's coming down the aisle. See, you didn't know you were going to have this happen at church today, did you? Uh, but we're going to talk about... Humility and pride in particular, the main message this morning is what it means to be a man. The best man you could be is to serve others. A man who serves others, week two, if you're taking notes, is to be a man and to serve others. And I'm going to encourage you if you're like, hey, the, the man part doesn't apply to me. It's cool. Replace it with human. If you want to be the best human you can be, according to the example that Jesus set for us, is to serve others. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to invite you to turn there in your Bible. Let me give you a little bit of background, and then I'm going to introduce my co-teacher here this morning. And the book of Philippians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul around 60 or 61 A.D. And so if you want to power on your Bible to Philippians chapter 2 or turn the one in your book rack, we're going to look at verses 5 through 11. And these six verses are what the early church actually passed around when they would meet together, and they would read this as an early hymn or essentially a creed before they had creeds. It was, this is what we agree about Jesus on. And it's what it looks like to be the best human we could be because he set the example for us. And so as we're talking about serving others the way that Christ did, to be like Jesus this morning, 
I thought there's no better example of this uh, than the guy I'm about to introduce. Many of you guys know Justin already. He was a professional baseball player for 12 years. Uh, most of that in the major leagues, played for the Boston Red Sox and the Cleveland Indians and a couple other teams that, uh, later on. He was an MLB All-Star for the Cleveland Indians. And so every time I introduce him, even though most of us in Mercy Road, he's been here long enough, we just know him as Justin. I will always introduce him as MLB All-Star Justin Masterson. So put your hands together and welcome Justin as he comes up, just reads the verses. He's going to ask us a question. And then we're going to dive into this. Yeah. Woohoo. Thank you. Appreciate the courtesy clap. Uh, <laughs> let's get to the real business. I see you, Nadia. I got my cute family here in the front representing Boston Red Sox. Uh, so in Philippians 2, uh, if you're there, if not, get there quickly because I'm going to start. Verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So the question becomes, what kind of man, human, what kind of man are you? It's kind of what we'll, we'll work through. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we just praise you for how awesome and amazing that you are. Uh, we just thank you for the incredible things that you have done. Uh, would you just continue to illuminate our eyes, that our thoughts would be less and less on ourselves and more and more on how incredible that you are. And that as the words today may just be a carrot for us to go dig deeper and seek you even more throughout the scriptures. Uh, we just thank you so much for an awesome day. Uh, we, we praise you for our fathers, those who are with us, and those who are no longer with us. Uh, it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. I mean, can we just pause for a second and appreciate this? Looking at the two of us, which one looks more like a real man? You know, it's, it's, it's so embarrassing. Your feet can just touch the floor, and I'm over here like Eric Maitland, like hanging out, you know. Uh, but I want to talk to you. What makes Justin a real, a real man? Dude, you got, you, he keeps getting me every service multiple times with it. You know, the truth is, if we were just going by physicality, there is no doubt Justin is a real man. I've seen the guy, he has like tree trunks for arms, pick up things that would take three of me in order to do. And yet, uh, that's not what I believe makes him the man that he is. What I think makes him the man that he is, is when I talk to his wife, Marilyn, and you've got like the whole fan club down here, and it's the cutest thing ever, dude. They all got the <laughs> Masterson's jerseys on. Locked you got to get a picture of that. But what, his wife, Marilyn, whenever she will talk about him, she will literally talk about what a servant he is to her and their family. I mean, how many... How many spouses, and I'm sure he's not perfect, let's be honest, but how many spouses can say that sort of thing? 
And I thought, you know, the example that we just read there that Jesus gave us of what it meant to live as a man or a human set the example for us. What does that look like in our, in our lives today? Because the truth is, when I was younger, I thought being a man meant I needed to be impressive. I needed to be strong like Justin, and I would never be that. I needed to be tough, and I needed to, you know, say the right things and act, have a lot of pride and bravado, and the people look at you and go, there's a man. And yet, when I lived for that, I didn't see the reward I thought would come with that. And I can remember as a young man, uh, I had been a Christian for a couple of years, and I was getting ready to leave uh, for a semester to go overseas and study. And uh, about a week beforehand, I had gone with some friends, and we went caving in this little cave outside of Greencastle, Indiana, uh, near the great DePaul University. We got one woo again at this service. That's great. Um, And... While we were in there, uh, a cave, we came out after caving for a couple of hours, and we went out, and I decided I was going to climb the face of this cave so I can impress my friends of how strong and good of a rock climber I was. I climbed about 20 feet up the, the face of this cave, not realizing that the rocks were actually more like shale and would easily break away. So I got to the top, and the rocks broke, and I fell a few feet. I hit the front of the cave like this, and I went flying backwards and fell about 15 feet, landed on a rock on my ribs. My head flew back. I hit my head on another rock, and I'm just bleeding everywhere. And so we did what we do in Indiana. If you're attending online, we threw me in the back of a pickup truck and drove to the nearest ER we could find. And after a couple of hours of them picking pieces of rock out of my ribs and parts of my body and getting an x-ray, I thought for sure my ribs were broken and they kind of patched things up on my head. They came and they said, we got good news. You did not break a bone. Now, so naturally I got up and I went to my friends in the lobby and I said, praise the Lord that he has protected me on this day. I'm such a feeble, a humble person that could have been easily broken. I know I didn't say any of that. I I literally, this is embarrassing, so forgive me, it's a long time ago, but I didn't have a shirt on, and I went out into the lobby in front of all my friends and everybody, and I flexed really, so I was like, the unbreakable hoose is back. (laughs) So I was a man, couldn't be broken, yeah, baby. Three days later, I shattered my leg and went to that same ER. Broken bones, spent, never got to go overseas, spent the next semester healing. Unbreakable, <laughs> yeah, right. And isn't it interesting the way God can work sometimes to allow things to come into our lives, to break our pride? So when we think about, as I look back on my life, how did a guy go from like, oh, I'm unbreakable and this great person to like, like just being torn over a little letter from my six, soon-to-be seven-year-old daughter? where I would do anything. I don't care what I get in life as long as she's got everything she needs. I think there's this transformation that happens in each of us as we spend more time with the Lord and become the person he he desires us to be, where we begin to get a heart for God and for others more than ourselves. It's the example that Jesus demonstrated, and I still fail all the time, and you do too. But we're going to talk about what it looks like to take some steps forward, being a real man or a real human by serving others first. The first point I'd like to make if you're taking notes very quickly is that you don't try to be equal with God. I'm not unbreakable. You're not unbreakable. We're not God. In fact, the example Jesus set us that Paul writes about in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 6 in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Leave verse 6 up there for a moment. He was fully God. We believe doctrinally today as followers of Jesus that he was fully God and fully human. So he had every right to say, I am God incarnate. You should serve me by my power and my authority and could use that to dictate and lord over us. And yet throughout the scriptures, including in this passage, he set the example by being our servant and serving the lost and the least, loving people right where they're at. I would say that if Jesus could have lorded it and he chose not to and he was fully God, that we shouldn't take advantage and in our life that most of us as fellows we love to do today, which is in our pride and our bravado, make ourselves the center of our universe. Jesus chose to submit to his heavenly father first and to love other people second. It's the example that you and I are called to live out. So number one, if you're taking notes, we're not equal to God. And number two, Justin, take us away, man. Number two, if you're taking notes, is be a servant leader. I mean, as we get into <laughs> sit back, relax, enjoy, enjoy the show, this, man. you'll be sitting there for a little bit. Uh, we get Philippians 2, and we get to verse 7. And it says, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant be made in human likeness. And we think of that word servant, which is used often uh, within Scripture. It's, it's doulos. It was the, the word for it equals servant or slave. You see, Jesus chose to serve us. You know, he was fully God and yet chose to come down. And you are a servant or a slave. So when we look at that, we are a slave to something. We're going to be a slave to something. Uh, either to God or to the world. I mean, more or less. I mean, we think about it and the, the selfishness and pride that comes in and gets us so often, uh, especially, you know, Tim the Toolman Taylor, art type of man. And if you don't know that, I'm sorry. You should watch Home Improvement. <laughs> Change your life. <laughs> and we can be a slave to those desires or we can be a slave, but we're going to be a slave. So you're like, yeah, I'm not. Well, yeah, but you think about it, you know, what if something was taken away in the slave that you are to that thing? And how incredible that would be to be God. Uh, if you look in Romans 6, jot that down, verse 22, it says, But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, the incredible thing is that when Jesus came, he said, I know you're going to be a slave. You're going to be a servant no matter what. But I've set you free from that servitude of sin. And you've become a slave of God. A servant. Some are thinking, man, I'm still a slave. I'm not sure if I really like that concept. But then again, if you think back to it, we are a slave to something. And so when we think about that, the choice is either ourself, the world. I mean, really, it's what it is. We can choose to serve ourselves, or we can choose to serve God. And so when we look at Jesus' example in this, you know, he chose to become the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. You see, Jesus had a choice where he was fully man in the sense of when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he thought about himself for a little bit. He said, Lord, take this cup from me. Humanity came out. He was like, you know, we could do this an easier way. I am God. I mean, we could figure this out and make it work a lot easier. And then he said in his servitude to his father, but let thy will be done. Even when he was claimed after he was baptized, you are my son with whom I am well pleased. God talking to him, he goes into the wilderness and is tempted by the human desires of, I will give you all these kingdoms. He says, no, no, no. Now I'm here to serve my father. And so you go, what was the most important thing to Jesus? That's the the question that kind of comes from that. What was the most important thing to Jesus? You're being faithful to the will of his father. You know, he, he showed that countless times. But as I kept hearing that, I'm like, but, but why? Like I know I'm serving some, but why would I be faithful? Why would he want to be faithful? It's because he loved his father. And not only that, he was captivated by his father. So much so that as you think about it, he, he even took death on a cross. Like he was so much in love, so captivated by God, he's like, whatever you want. So much so that it was even, it was shameful. You look at it, the Jews looked upon the cross, if someone was there, that you were cursed. The Romans, as if you were a criminal. Shameful to be there. And I think at times some people will look at Josh just loving the fact of what his daughter, that his day is set. Someone will be like, oh, come on, man. You serious? Figure it out. Because it is something that's countercultural. To be a servant leader, it's something that's countercultural. So I was looking at, uh, you know, online, and I found, you you can't trust everything online, I know. But it was this Penn State blog, and, and it was from their psych department. And they were talking about how servant leadership would be the best kind of leadership ever. And yet they found a con with it. And and this is what they said. said, considering alone the fact that it, servant leadership, involves giving up one's own self-glory, it would obviously eliminate many people from succeeding as many leaders seek praise and rewards for their successes. It is human nature to want to be successful and to receive rewards for great work, whether it is done by that person or from subordinates. So as we now know, one of the cons of servant leadership is that true servants are difficult to come by. (laughs) I know, I struggle with that. And that is not in a godly, Christian, religious type of sense. This is just in a worldly type of sense. And so for Jesus to show that example, to challenge us, The difference has to be the motivation. The motivation that Jesus showed us by the love of his father. And so it's, you know, it's rally caps. So it's, of course, you got to have the baseball player up here uh, in order to talk during this. But I think of like the love of the game. Not the movie with Kevin Costner, even though I love that movie. But for a guy, you think of the guy in the game of baseball, even at the major league level, you know the one who just loves the game. You know, that guy who just, I mean, smells the cut grass, 
Yeah, and just sees the dirt, and it has a smell to it, and the, the leather of his glove, and ah, the ball that just has They just love it. They want to be around it. They want to talk to people about it. They're just so happy to be there. They'll do whatever it takes to be around. And then you see the other side of it. You know, those guys who come in because they think they like it, but it's really the fame, the power, the money, and the money, there's lots of it. And you just see how they get so excited, and then quickly they get burnt out. And I think of my daughter, you know, her best friend Bella, where they just want to be together. Whatever Bella's doing, she wants to do. Whatever Bella's wearing, she wants to wear. Wherever Bella's at, that's where she wants to be. A little sadness because they're going to different schools next year, so there's some tears being shed because of how much they love each other. And just want to be together. And so for me, the question I ask myself is, man, am I that enamored with God? Am I that in love with him, captivated by him, smitten, if you will, by him? And so I could say, hey, you know, need to be servant leaders and let's go do this. You know, but this isn't a guilt trip. You know, Jesus died to take away all our guilt and shame. You know, if you think we're going to do anything more in our life because of guilt, duty, or obligation, we're on that path of being burnt out. Where for a second, woo, we're excited, and then quickly downhill. And honestly, after that, bitterness will probably set in. So my challenge within this as we talk about servant leadership is to open your eyes and allow the Spirit to show you how incredible Jesus is. As we already talked about, him taking the form is pretty incredible. But you go open the scriptures, look at the stories that are there, and see how incredible he responded to people in the different situations that took place. It's not about him, but his father, because of the love that he had for his father. And so I think when you get to that point, when you understand that love, it's no longer a duty or obligation. It becomes... Uh, I, I get to. Man, what can I do? I can't wait to do something. And so the mind, <laughs> clap it up. There we go. I, I'm telling you, this is what's speaking to me. You know, the Spirit's been hitting at me so much on this. And when you have the right motivations, you then can ask, how can I humbly serve my Heavenly Father and others? And so I think of my dad, who just... You know, an incredible man, pastor my whole life. You know, small church. You know, but he always did little things. You're like, well, he's the pastor. He's supposed to do all the little things. I mean, technically, yeah. But uh, you know, he'd mow the lawn. He'd go visit people. You know, if they were sick, if they were healthy, he'd go mow Stella Lockwood's yard, you know, down in Dayton. All different types of things. He'd go to the gospel mission on Friday. He'd be there for us and whatever we need. It was never about him. It's always the interest of others. So much so that there was a time in the church that he goes, <laughs> I've seen him cry like twice. And it was one morning where we were walking together and he's just in tears because he's like, Justin, I just don't know what to do. It doesn't seem like the people are growing. But, you know, maybe it's me. I've done all these things, prayed, and all, maybe it's me. And so sure enough, he, he leaves the church that he was at, the comfort, the friendships, the, all those things that were there. <laughs> And a couple weeks later, yeah, it was probably two months, but a couple weeks later, church no longer existed. That gathering no longer existed. It turned out my dad was the crutch that was kind of holding everyone together. 
And yet he had the servitude to say, oh, maybe it's me. Maybe I need to do something there, or maybe I need to, to move along somewhere. And then there's this, this final story that got me thinking uh, about this Navy SEAL guy. Think about the Navy SEALs. Like, that's <laughs> best the best. They're way, maybe not as tall as me, but they are way stronger than me. And so he takes his daughters to a ballet class. And there's another guy there who has his daughter there who's like during the class looking at the guy like, hey, man, uh, why, don't we, why don't we go get a drink somewhere or something, you know, get out of this place. And the Navy SEAL guy's like, nah, I'm, I'm all right. And then again, a little bit later, the guy's still like, hey, man, let's, you know, let's, come on, what do we think we're doing here? It's ballet. And the Navy, guy, Navy SEAL guy just looks at him and says, sir, I love my daughter. My daughter loves ballet. I'm going to be here to support my daughter. Maybe you need to go check yourself. And just to think of that fact of just the love that is there, the captivation that comes, and it starts at home when we're able to do that and to progress and see what, how can I humbly serve my Heavenly Father and others once you're captivated? I love that. Can we thank Justin for sharing that right now? And I <laughs> reflecting on and it. Do baseball players really sniff their gloves, though? Like, you've said that twice now. I know, man. They, they do. It's just, there's a smell to it. The, the, the le- you sure they're sniffing the leather? They're not, they got something else there? I, I read about the 80s in baseball, so, you well, know. Well, you never know. Some guys, they got some, they got some craziness in there. <laughs> I, I, uh, but, but as you were sharing that, you know, I, I didn't say this at the last service, but just the example that your father set for you and that now you're trying to live out and set for others. Like, this stuff matters, when we prioritize God first and others second, right? I love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and being, the great, the, the Shema, and to love your neighbor as yourself, the two greatest commandments Jesus tells us. When you do that, it impacts lives and generations. The example of what that looks like. If you want to become a great man or a great human this weekend, look at what, what does it look like to love God first and others second, to serve others in my life. And I was thinking about this example. You know, why is it that Justin, who has this huge platform, uh, you can Google him. He made a lot of money playing baseball, was an all-star even, uh, and has the ability to do anything he wants in his life, really, and his family does too, and yet he's at the top of the speed dial when we need something, some physical labor here at the church. <laughs> you know, and they'll drop everything to go do it. Why is it? How many of you are in Fight Club right now? Not right now. It's not going around, but you've been in Fight Club in the last couple Fight of years. Fight Club, man. Come on. And, you know, Justin's been a, a big part of that as well. And uh, how many people went through that this last time, went through Fight Club? and 40? 40 people. And it had about 50, 500 people at the 60. opening. And Oh, I'm, oh, I'm talking about the whole group. I'm talking about Mercy Road. We have 50. Yeah, 650. From, from all whole, different churches all, all around. all different churches, yeah. And what's it coming up this fall? I'm giving a Fight Club a plug here while you're up here. Yeah, this fall, it'll be in August. I mean, men... Men being better men, leaders, all types of things. Some of what we're talking about, they encourage men to fight for their families. Nehemiah 4.14, and maybe you're out there, you're going to join this August. But I was thinking about the example that you set, man, and how you credit that to your dad. And he probably had some examples before him. And ultimately, it's because when God works in our life, it begins to change some things. And if we're going to humbly serve our Heavenly Father and others, as uh, Justin just asked, it's, it's going to have to happen for us, if we're, not just in our individual lives, 
if we want to have better marriages and better children and all those things, but also for us as a church. If we're going to send out these four new locations to become five churches one day, and we're going to raise people up and believe God can use someone else as much as he can use us, it's going to take a heart of service like many of us have never experienced. And, and there's something that funny that happens with that, because many of us, maybe you've, got, you've served before, but maybe you have served not because you're so in love with Jesus, as Justin described, but there was some hidden thing at the end of it that was going to bring something to your life that you wanted. What's it look like to have the heart of service when you get nothing in return? I was talking to a friend this week that had a big life change. We had 18 people give their life to Christ just at the 1130 service last weekend. And, and one of my friends I was talking to, they had a, a big transformation as well, and, and they were making a huge step, and I was in tears just hearing them talking about it. And, and the truth is, when you live like that and you're giving things up in your life, whether your time, your talents, your treasures, there is a cost that comes with it. Like we talked about last week, dropping your nets, there's this part of you that even feels like sometimes I don't really want to do it. But when we feel that way, we need to understand it's because we haven't really appreciated and loved Jesus back the way that he loved us. Did you hear those verses that Justin read? It says that he died for us. Like the, the type, he had all the power and authority, more than a professional baseball player, right? He was fully God and fully human, and he gave it all up to serve us well. We're probably never going to be asked to do that here in our American church culture, but man, what's it look like in your life today to give it up to serve others in that capacity? The third and final point I want to share with you is this. The truth is, if you want to make a big impact if you want God to use your life, you want to really serve others in a way that makes a lasting difference, I don't know about you, I can only speak for myself. If I'm left to my own will to do that, I'll probably never do something great. But when we allow God to use us, you think the parable of the talents, and I'm not, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read those verses, that these guys were willing to be used by God to serve him well so they could make an impact in other people's lives. What would that look like for you? The ushers are going to come forward now. We did this last weekend. I'm just going to pass it for three weeks. If we're going to start these four churches and three of them this fall, I mean, they're happening, guys. We need to continue to raise more people up, the culture of service that it will take to actually see that happen. And if you would like to get involved and serve in any capacity, we want to encourage you to do that. I, I'm not going to do it uh, sadly or I'm going to wholeheartedly ask you, beg you to do it, not because we need you right this moment, but because it's going to take it to transform a state, to believe God can use other people to make an impact the way he has. And we shared this last week, 48 new people signed up to volunteer and get involved in the church. We've, we've never had something like that happen, and so there's just something happening in this season of our church. Maybe you missed it last week or you're new here. Man, we'd love for you to get involved so that you could experience God working through you because he doesn't just want to use the Christian you came with. He wants to use you to make an impact that comes with a culture of service. That third and final point that I alluded to was when it comes down to it, if we want to be used by God, we have to talk to him. We have to hit our knees. So if you want to be a man this year, you got to start by knowing you're not equal to God. you got to be a servant leader. And then you got to hit your knees regularly in prayer. In fact, it's that act of submission, of surrender, that the rest of Philippians 2 in that passage describes. Look at verses 9 through 11 with me. It says, Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. The simple act of physically surrendering, every knee should bow. That he didn't laud over us, lord over us, and require us to submit to him. He has given us the ability to choose whether we want to be a slave to this world, a servant to this world, and all the temptations that the enemy provides for us, to our personal pleasure, to our power and authority, to our popularity, to whatever that thing is that we live for. And he says, I want you instead to choose me, to submit to me because you love me. And it says that his name, every knee should bow in heaven on earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I was talking to this friend about, in my life, how I can get comfortable sometimes and forget about this life of surrender to him and how when I actually, in the morning, hit my knees first in prayer and before I go to bed at night, take 60 seconds and hit my knees in prayer, just that physical act of submitting to you, Lord, on this day again, what it does in that day for my life is I now live in a way that hopefully I have enough humility that God could use me some in this world. Because the unbreakable, strong person I desired to be and still hides inside and wants to rear its ugly head sometime, fellas, come on, that when we live that way, we never really see God use us. We just see something we can control and manipulate, and we never see the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit of God working in and through us as his vessel. And it's only then that we get to see it. And it comes from surrender and submission, beginning our day, ending our day, on our knees, saying, Lord, it's about you. Because the truth is, one day we're going to get to see him. And everything's going to change. And Jesus is going to return and he's going to set the world right. And many of us treat Jesus today as if he's like the, the genie in the bottle, right? Like some of you saw Aladdin. They had Will Smith as the genie. They should have cast Kevin Hart because he'd have fit so well in that bottle and he'd been really funny. But anyway, you know, he... We want to say, God, okay, it's time. I need you to do this. Come out, serve me. Rather than on our knee, as it said there, every knee should bow to his glory, not to ours. He does not submit to our requests. We serve him because we love him. And so as we close out our time, I want to read Revelation 22. Verses 3 and 4. It's the very end of the Bible. It's the very uh, last chapter of Revelation. It talks about after Jesus returns and sets the world right, and we're with God eternally in the new heaven and the new earth. It says in verse 3, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. I'm not telling you whether you have eternal salvation or not. That's not for me to decide. But what I know is it says when we get to heaven that his servants will serve him. So if we aren't submitting and surrendering to him now and going, my time, my talents, my treasures are to serve you first, what do we think we're going to do in eternity? And that verse, it gets me because right after it says, they will see his face that one day when all is said and done you will see the face of God you will see Jesus right there and my desire is like he tells Timothy we'd be able to say well done good and faithful servant but the truth is in my own willpower I know that'll never happen 
It only happened as I surrendered and submit to him, hit my knees and say, Lord, use me again today. Help me to walk across my, my street today at home and get to know my neighbor, to love them and to help them. When I see that lady in need, to, to submit to you, Lord, and go serve her because I love you and I love her. When we have those opportunities in our life to serve others first, we're going to drop everything and we have this big platform and we could go out and live the life of luxury. And instead, I come in and serve in the local church and to help people in need. I don't share this. His wife, Meryl, even has come over and just volunteered to clean our house before. I mean, who does that? Somebody who's encountered Jesus and says, I want to serve others first rather than myself. What would that look like for you today? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for our church. I thank you that I get to learn from others, uh, not just the Mastersons here, but so many in this church that set the tone for what it means to serve you first and foremost, that that's real leadership. That's being a real man. And God, maybe there are some of us here today, maybe many of us, maybe all of us, that the truth is we need to submit to you and surrender either an area of our life or our life to you fully, that we have done it our own way, but we don't live to serve you and others first. We've lived to serve ourselves first. And so if that's you in the room, I want to give you the opportunity just to simply respond this Father's Day, 2019, to say, God, I'm fully yours. If that's you, pray this silently as I prayed out loud. God, I confess that I need you. I don't want my life to be just about me. On this day, Father's Day, 2019, I surrender my life to you fully, Jesus. Use me. I love you. Thank you, God. We give you this time. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen.